Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Our passage this morning comes from Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through 32. Listen for what God might be saying to you. On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped, their faces downcast. The one named Cleopas replied, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place there over the last few days? He said to them, what things? They said to him, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago, but there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying they had even seen a vision of angels who told them he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the woman said. They didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, your, your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead, but they urged him saying, stay with us. It's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Their eyes were open and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scripture to us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered there together. They were saying to each other, the Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what he had, what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. May God add a blessing to the hearing and understanding of this scripture. Thank you, Sean. And thank you, Javon, for um, just sharing with us what can happen when we open ourselves and take the risk to be in relationship with, with folks, um, even when it might feel a little bit scary from time to time. Grateful for um, the story that you bring and the stories that 
we have heard in this space, um, they are sacred stories of God's work in this world. And we, it is a privilege for us to hold them together. Isn't it? It's a privilege. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the stories that are written on our hearts, that are being written even right now, and the ways, the opportunities that we have to share them with one another, to share pieces of you that we experience and, and catch a glimpse of, just as those two travelers did so long ago over a meal. Come here in this space right now, God. We know you're already here. We know we've already caught glimpses of you. Help that to continue as we hear this message that you have for us today. <clears throat> Open our hearts and our minds to receive it so that um, we might not only be enriched for ourselves, but that this world might catch a glimpse of you as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we kicked off this um, series about how to make friends, um, how to build friendships as adults. And we took a look at this um, experience last week in um, Acts 9 that Saul had, uh, kind of a famous guy in the uh, New Testament, um, that essentially turned him from kind of the number one terrorist of followers of Jesus to the number one champion of that same gospel um, that he uh, was trying to shut down. And besides Jesus, there was one other person who played a key role, right, who took the risk to step out and meet Saul in his pain and confusion. In spite of their own pain and confusion, his name was Ananias, right? So I'm not going to recap the whole sermon, but I wanted to remind you of these three things that marked their kind of like match.Jesus um, friendship. Three things that mark any real true friendship. Presence, purpose, and belonging. We even actually heard that um, in Jovan's testimony as she uh, developed her, continues to develop her friendship with her father. From the get-go, Ananias brought these three things into his relationship with Saul. And here in our passage, actually, for this morning, um, we see that Jesus brings those same things to Cleopas and his friend as they walk down this long road to Emmaus. Presence, purpose, belonging. Two friends walking, wandering together, struggling together to understand, to hold on to what feels um, like a foolish hope. Their heads are down, they're kicking rocks as they walk down the road on the verge of tears, fists balling up and loosening, angry, disappointed, frustrated. Why did this happen? I thought that this was it. What's the point? Forget it. I don't have time for this. They go back and forth. And the word that Luke uses to describe their conversation in Greek um, is this word uh, antibalean which is not actually a very important word, but it's kind of interesting um, because it means to toss back and forth. They're like two people in the backyard, right, tossing a baseball back and forth as they have this conversation, trying to work through it and figure things out, tossing their words back and forth. I wonder about this, but what about that? And in the middle of their exchange, this guy walks up. What are you talking about? <clears throat> what do you mean, what are we talking about? And Cleopas and the other guy start filling Jesus in on what's been going down over the last few days, which, of course, is kind of funny, right, considering that Jesus was, like, there in the most their way possible. But we see that God chooses to be present, right, instead of being like, yeah, these past few days have been crazy. You have no idea. Um, Jesus says, tell me about it. Give me your take. And by coming at them this way, by allowing Cleopas and his friend to speak on their own terms rather than kind of coming in and owning the discussion from jump, Jesus gives us a kind of spacious presence to their conversation. Before anything, Jesus is present. And because he listens first, he hears the core of what they're going through. So here's a snippet here. They give, give the details. 
as they're kind of talking about what happened. Because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized, Jesus was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago, but there's more. But there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned, and so on and so on and so forth, right? And right there in the middle of that story, if you could go back to that earlier slide, um, that's the heart of the matter. We had hoped. We had hoped he was the one. They're feeling disappointed, hopeless, maybe even a little bitter. I can't believe we fell for it. I can't believe we fell for it. And because Jesus was present in this way, didn't own the conversation from the beginning, because Jesus gave them space to share from their experience, he was also able to meet them where they were and reinterpret for them what happened. For them, it was an expectation disappointed and a dream deferred yet again. They had been waiting and waiting for so many generations, and they thought, this is it. This is the guy. Only to come up short. And Jesus says to them, no, no. He says, you foolish people. (laughs) You were right, actually. This was it. It is it. This is part of the plan. And he lays it out point by point. Maybe you kind of see their heads beginning to lift and their eyes kind of lighting up with possibility again. Jesus is speaking purpose back into their lives. You didn't mess up by believing. You were on track and you're still on track. Jesus was present, and Jesus spoke purpose. But this last piece, this belonging piece, Jesus goes at it a really different way. When the three of them get to Emmaus, the passage says that Jesus acts like he's going to keep on going, right? So this was actually a custom of the times. And actually, so the common courtesy was not to overextend someone's hospitality. And if you grew up in a family like mine, with practices like mine, you may have been told not to wear out your welcome. Did you ever hear about that? And one of the ways that you might try not to wear out your welcome um, is to not assume that you are welcome, but essentially to kind of give people an out after a while, right? So would you like to stay for dinner? Oh, no, thanks. I better head out, right? And that's the moment when your host can either say, okay, well then, you know, have a good evening, um, or no, please, we'd like you to stay. And this is that moment, right, for Jesus and his friends. And this is... um, This is what's really important about it. God wants to be invited in, right? God will be present in your life. God will speak purpose into your life. But God will not assume welcome until you invite God in. Jesus will wait for you to say that he belongs. And when you invite him in, when you invite Jesus in, when you choose to go deeper with Jesus, that's when you begin to experience the fullness of of God's embrace. That's when you begin to experience belonging. That's when you begin to experience God's friendship. Instead of letting Jesus go on his way, Cleopas and his friend invite this stranger to share a meal with them. They sit, and they invite him in. And as they continue the conversation, as they sit at table with Jesus, Jesus invites them in further. Mutuality, right? Jesus blesses the bread and breaks it, just like we do at this table right here. And they finally see Jesus in that moment, after they've invited him in. Until they invited Jesus in, they did not experience the fullness of who he was. Jesus was present, 
Jesus reminded them and reinforced their sense of purpose. But before Jesus continued on in the friendship, he first waited to be invited in. In other words, he first waited for them to say that he belonged before he broke bread and revealed to them that they belonged. Are you inviting Jesus into your life? He's here. He's here. He's present. He's speaking purpose. But he will not enter uninvited. God has more for you to experience, but will only go as far as you'll extend the invitation. God's friendship runs deep, right? But it isn't a real relationship until it's truly mutual. You know, we have folks who gather here every Sunday, but you're not always, we're not always, I'm not always inviting God in. So this isn't just you, it's me too, right? We show up, we, hear the, we experience the presence, we hear the purpose, but we're not always ready to invite Jesus in, right? It's not a real friendship unless we invite God in, unless it's truly mutual. It would be easy for God to be like, I'm God, I'm near, I'm here, and I'm coming in whether you like it or not, right? But that's not how God operates. It's never been how God operates, actually. God arrives and respects you enough to let you choose when you're going to open up. Sometimes that means it's a long time that God is waiting to activate in your life. How long will you keep God waiting before you extend an invitation? How long will it be before you let God in, really? But here's the weird thing. Part of experiencing the fullness of God's friendship also involves being in relationship with other folks who are also friends with God. Other folks who get what you've gone through. Have you ever had that experience where you just have something that is so, so um, particular that only other people who have also had that experience get it, right? This is what I'm talking about. Some of you know that um, I spent a year in Thailand teaching English after I graduated from college. And it was incredibly formative for me in so many different ways. I experienced my faith being stretched. I experienced hospitality and love from people who started out as strangers and then kind of became family. It was beautiful and boring and delicious and incredibly breathtakingly, unexpectedly lonely. This came home to me as I sat on a blanket watching an incredible sunrise over a deserted beach all by myself. I had hitched a ride on a cargo ferry to the island of Samui the night before, and as I walked away from the boat, it was too early to check into a hostel. It was probably like 4.35 in the morning. So I laid out a sarong, and I pulled out a guitar. Did you know I used to play the guitar? <laughs> Only three chords. Um, it was like the stuff of travel magazines. I played worship songs and watched the sun come up. And at that moment, when the sun just kind of just cracked the horizon, all of these colors burst out over the water. It was incredible. I stopped playing, and I lost my breath, really. I just was like, it was amazing. And instinctively, I turned my head to say, isn't this amazing? But no one was there. In that moment of beauty and and God's artistry and power, I realized, I'm done. What's the point of having all these incredible experiences when you have no one to share them with? And I'm not talking about romance. I'm talking about a partner, a friend, someone who I could turn to and say, isn't this amazing? And we could both say, yes, and then we could dance on the beach while the sun was rising, right? Instead, I felt flat, I felt empty, I felt dull. In that moment, I learned the answer to that old philosophical question. If a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? The answer, if you've been waiting and wondering, is no. Technically, yes, but in every way that matters, no. Because I realize the sound only matters if someone is there to hear it. 
Being able to have someone to share in the wonder and mystery of what is happening is not an accessory, it's a necessity. We can know and encounter God on our own. I believe that 100%. I hear people talk about it all the time. I encounter God when I go for a hike in the woods. I encounter God by listening to music you know, on Sunday morning instead of going to church. I encounter God when I exercise. That's true. I believe that. You can encounter God. You can counter, encounter God alone. But there is something about sharing your experience that magnifies it. Weren't our hearts burning within us? And not only magnifies it for ourselves, but multiplies it out for others to experience, right? I mean, Javon could have kept her story to herself, and it would be amazing for her. But wasn't it amazing for us? Weren't our hearts burning within us? I know I had to hold back a couple of tears from time to time. Many experiences that we have with God are not just for us. They're also for us to share with one another. Not to show what amazing Christians we are as a way to showboat our faith, but to do what we do during testimony, right? To say, look, look at this thing I'm seeing unfold within me. Look at this thing I'm seeing happen. To do what we do in small groups. Here's what I'm thinking about this topic, about how God is at work in my thoughts right now. Or to do what we do in intentional relationships. Remember how we prayed about that thing last week? Well, here's what happened since then. How many times have you been blessed by someone's sharing? Javon today, or any of the people who have shared here, or, el- or somewhere else, some slice about God's activities in their lives. And not only had your understanding expanded, but also your hope expanded. And maybe not even only your hope expanded, but your imagination of who you could be, of what you could do, of what God could do in you, expanded. Jesus' friendship, God's friendship, not only gets magnified when we share what's happening, right, but it becomes a source of encouragement and strength for others who might, all, who might not be experiencing that, who might be in a dry time, right? Not just magnified, but multiplied. Let me, have, let me smell some of that good food you're eating. It's not a mistake that it was at a dinner table where Jesus was fully recognized because one of the last most meaningful things he did, right, was to share a meal with friends. And the dinner table where friends gather to share food and stories and ideas, that's part of how God works, right? That space, that spirit. We need one another in a soul-thirsty, spirit-hungry kind of way, but sometimes we don't have the option of real, true community or friend that we can share experiences with, right? Maybe some, that's what some folks um, are experiencing now or have experienced before. Yeah, I get it. I need someone. I want to be with someone or some ones, right? but I can't find it. And it can be really frustrating to keep putting yourself out there, really frustrating and saddening and even heartbreaking. I mean, we have so many new folks that come every single week here at UBC. It can be really hard to keep putting yourself out there. If you keep showing up every Sunday and it's like, oh, that person that I had that great conversation with last week didn't come back. How many times am I going to keep opening myself up to this, right? It's easy to just feel like giving up and saying, forget it, I'll work this thing out on my own. And sometimes, maybe even, I will concede, you need to do that for a while to maybe recover, right? To build up your your, uh, motivation for it. And you can do that because God will show up. Because God wants to be your friend, as cheesy as it sounds. God wants to be your friend, really. The God who created us this way to be in relationship, right? Guess what? That God wants to be in relationship with us too. 
God wants to be in a relationship with you in a, in a similar kind of way, in a soul-thirsty, spirit-hungry kind of way. And it's that relationship, that friendship with God that will sustain us and carry us, especially in those seasons when we haven't found a community of, or some friends or a partner to call our own. And that very same friendship with God will also sustain us and carry us, even when we have found very good community and very good friends or a very good partner, but still somehow, and I promise you it happens, you still feel lonely. Even Jesus, after he shared that final meal with his friends late into the night before he died, he was all alone, right? When he prayed in that garden full of sorrow and grief, asking God, please take this away from me, please. He was alone. He had good friends. But at the end of the day, he was alone. Even Jesus, he needed God's friendship to carry him through that very space that his community, his friends, or his partners just couldn't touch. They just couldn't touch it. That was their limit. Because ultimately, the kind of presence that God brings to us is like no other. And that sense of purpose that God instills in us is like no other. And that sense of belonging that God embraces us in, it cannot be found anywhere else. Joel said last week, and he said um, several times before when he's um, uh, served, uh, presided over the table here for communion, that this is the table of God's embrace. And I love, I love that phrase. This is the table where we're reminded that we have an open invitation. God is standing with arms outstretched, waiting to receive you, waiting to receive you. But it's up to you. It's up to you to step in and receive it. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you stand with your arms outstretched, not just for a minute, but for many minutes and hours and maybe even days or weeks or years, waiting patiently, lovingly for us to come and step in and be held by you. We thank you, God, that somehow you want to be in relationship with us, in a real friendship And that the kind of friendship that we have in you can meet us in a space that no one else can meet us in. We thank you for the gift of community, like this community here, but we also thank you for the gift of community with you. Thank you, God, that you want to be our friend. Thank you. Help us to be a friend to you as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.